I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to another episode of Let's Ride. I'm Jeff Hartman, co-editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com with you for another AM podcast, and it's a special podcast. It's Friday. Thank God it's Friday, indeed. But I have a guest with me today. This is the first time I've been doing these shows for about a month on this Monday, Wednesday, Friday rotation, and I was like, you know what, let's bring a guest in. And so what I did is I went to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, all their writers that do film room breakdowns and stuff like that, I'm bringing in a gentleman that if you go to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, if I say his name, you might not know it. It's Kevin Smith. You might know him as Cliff Harris is still a punk because that is his name on, uh, or that is his user ID on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. He does one article a week that usually runs on Tuesdays around 8 o'clock in the morning, and they are film room breakdowns. They are tremendous. I, I got to say, like after, I read all of them, and I learn something about the game every time I read them. But Kevin, welcome to the show. How are you? Thanks, Jeff. I appreciate that, man. Doing great. Happy to be here. Well, let's start off in case someone, because we do have a lot of listeners that are just, they listen to our podcast platform. They might not even know, they might have ever been to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Uh, the numbers dictate that. But for those that don't know, give us a little bit of your background, how you became a Steeler fan, how you came to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, and where you are right now. Sure. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I guess I'll start with uh, the, the Cliff Harris uh you know, story. I mean, I, I was a little kid in the in the 70s when the Steelers were on their fourth Super Bowl run. And the first football game I ever remember seeing was Super Bowl 10. And, uh, you know, I grew up in, a, in in South Jersey, a lot of Eagles fans. And 
all my family were Eagles fans, so they were rooting for the Steelers because they hated the Cowboys. And I just remember, you know, the famous Jack Lambert play, man, where uh, Roy Girola missed the field goal and uh, Cliff Harris got in his face and Lambert threw him to the ground. And it, I don't know, something clicked. He just became like a superhero to me. And, uh, and that launched the fandom that now, you know, I'm 50 years old, so that, that has now lasted for, uh, you know, for four decades. And, um, you know, I mean, it's just been a pleasure to root for a franchise like this because they're, they're just, uh, you know, such uh, – they just do things the right way and they're always competitive. You know, you're kind of proud to be a Steelers fan. So, you know, my, in my own life, I'm a teacher and I'm a football coach. I've been coaching uh, football for 20-some uh, years. I'm the head coach of a program here in, uh, in South Jersey, and, and that's exciting too. So I kind of get to do it, you know, on a personal level, and then obviously I get to do it with a, with a great uh, nation of Steeler fans. Absolutely. Now, you're a father. Are your, yes, kids, Steeler, are your kids Steeler fans as well? Um, well, you know, we're working on that, man. We're sort of chipping away. So. <laughs> I, I let them choose with some parameters. You know, the parameters were nobody from the AFC North and no New England fans and no Cowboy fans. And so yeah. I got one, one boy who chose the Carolina Panthers because he liked the Panther on the helmet. And I got another one who is, is seems to be a Detroit Lions fan. And I just really oh want to find out, man. I'm like, that is like a lifetime of self-punishment, you know? So, cool. Oh, yeah, I have five kids and they're all uh, 11 and under. And everyone always says to me, hey, Jeff, you, what are you doing to your kids? You're brainwashing them. And I said, yes, I am. Like that my kids have no choice. You gave them the option. I'm trying to save them from following the Panthers and the Lions and saying, you follow the Steelers. You have one team. If I was doing it over, if I was doing it over, I'd I'd go your route. No doubt about it, man. (laughs) Oh, but nonetheless, we're here to talk about Steelers and I appreciate you being here. I wanted to focus because I think that, believe it or not, in my opinion, in such a strange season where there's no preseason games, there's no, uh, you know, we're not getting to dive into the actual gameplay it's difficult. It's difficult to gauge where this team is. But when it comes to a hype train, I feel like the Steelers hype train is, is pretty fast moving right now, whether it's Chase Claypool, whether it's Ben Roethlisberger looking like he's back in terms of his arm and the, the surgically repaired elbow, uh, whether it's the defense that everyone's expecting is going to be possibly even better than it was last year. Everyone knows about the strengths. Everyone knows about Minka Fitzpatrick. Everyone knows about Cam Hayward. Everyone knows about the signings of Eric Ebron and things like that. I wanted to focus on weaknesses and maybe not glaring weaknesses, but for you, someone that knows the X's and O's better than I ever will. When you think about the Steelers, the question is, what are those positions? What are those areas? What are those things that make you say, man, this could be a problem in 2020? Let's start with the offense. And I'm just going to throw it out there and I'm going to let you say what you think first. And we'll kind of spitball from there. But, when you think about this offense in general, what is something that is a cause for concern in your opinion? Right. So, uh, yeah, I mean, first of all, about the hype train that you just mentioned, I think a lot of it's justifiable, but this is definitely not a complete team. You know, I mean, this is a, a team that with, with a, a, a lights out defense, but not a lot of depth. And then you, you were talking about the offensive side of the ball first. Uh, I mean, I think I have to go right to the offensive line. Um, you know, I mean, there's been some reshuffling. Ramon Foster left after a decade in the starting lineup. Um, and he, his play had declined, but boy, he had been a solid contributor for a long time and a great leader, a veteran leader, you know, a guy who, who helped, you know, if you watch Steelers games, you, you commonly see him, you know, tapping Marquise Pouncey and, uh, you know, letting him know 
that uh, the quarterback's ready for the snap. Uh, you know, he usually you get your center who makes the protection calls, uh, but Foster seems to have been a little bit of, uh, you know, kind of the eyes and ears uh, of the O-line in some instances. So, you know, he's gone, and now we're trying to plug that guard spot. Um, they, you know, they moved Matt Filer in there, and, um, you know, we'll see how that goes. I mean, he, he's playing a new position, and then we're going to have a competition between, uh, you know, Chuck Sakura for and Zach Banner at the right tackle spot. So you're going to have two starters in new positions on the O-line. You're going to have one position where, you know, neither player really has as much starting experience at all. Um, and then, you know, I mean, if you, there have been some injuries over the last few years. Some of those guys are getting up there, Pouncey and DeCastro, David DeCastro in particular. Uh, and if they get hurt, you know, then you're, you're looking at um, plugging some, some either unproven guys uh, the younger guys in there, or, uh, you know, like, like, uh, Stefan Wisniewski, who was a free agent signee, but, you know, doesn't have any, any experience in the system. So, so I'm, I'm a little bit nervous about, you know, the health and the status of the O-line. Okay. So let's, let's break this down. So let's talk about right tackle first. Yeah. So they seemed bound and determined. And that's Mike Tomlin from what he said post-practice throughout this training camp, that they are leaving this as an open vacancy between Chooks and Banner. In your opinion, I know you've done a film study on this for the website. Who would be the better player for the Steelers and what they needed that position? I think Okora first the better scheme fit. Uh, I think that he's more athletic. I think that you know the Steelers are going to run a lot of wide zone concepts, a lot of pin and pull sweeps, uh, and they're an inside zone run team. Uh, they're going to be in, in one-back sets without a fullback. And I think that you're going to need, you know, athletic linemen to move their feet. I think he's the better pass protector. That's the bigger, the bigger issue. You know, the, the ball's in the air. When Ben Roethlisberger's behind center, if, if you know, if past his prologue, the ball's going to be in the air 65% of the time, something along those lines. And uh, obviously keeping him upright is going to be a huge, uh, of huge importance. So Okorafor is better suited, you know, for all of that. I mean, stylistically, I like Banner better because, you know, who doesn't like big road grader tackles that just knock people off the ball? I mean, that's, you know, that's football. But, um, you know, to me, it's, it's, uh, it's Okorafor's job to lose. Okay. I, I, you'll make perfect sense, especially with the pass protection stuff. Do you think there's ever a, 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 the possibility that it could be so bad at right tackle that the Steelers say, you know what, we're, we're abandoning ship, so to speak. We're moving Filer back. We know he can play tackle. He did it all last year and year the year prior and then put Wisniewski at guard. Do you think that's a possibility or do you think that's very, very like last case scenario? But, you know, in terms of scenarios, it, it, is that even a possibility? Yeah, I think it's definitely a possibility. I mean, and I think the Steelers really want one of those young guys to win the right tackle job because – Wisniewski can be their swing lineman uh, at guard center. Uh, but even more importantly, because, you know, next year, man, they're facing some really tough decisions on some, on some, some dudes that have been here a long time. There are some really good football players. And the left tackle, you know, Alejandro Villanueva, he's one of those tough decisions. I don't know if there's going to be money to sign him. And I think the Steelers would love it if a core for a banner could lock down the right tackle job, get a year of experience. And then, you know, you could probably kick one of those guys over or probably kick Filer over to be your left tackle, maybe, uh, maybe chokes. Um, if, you, if you can't re-sign Villanueva. That said, neither one of those guys has done it. They've never done it before. And your five, on paper, your five best starting linemen are probably, you know, your four returning starters plus Wisniewski. 
Uh, I mean, he's he's a good player, man. He he's he's been on two Super Bowl champions in the last three years, and you know, as a as a starting player, so that speaks really highly of of his dependability. So, I mean, I think that there could definitely be a scenario where you know they just decide, all right, look, man, we got to play our best five guys. Outside of shuffling players around like that, what do you think? is the biggest issue with this offensive line. So let's, it doesn't matter who wins the right tackle job. Let's assume Filer stays at guard. The rest is status quo. What is it about this line that you say, man, like last year they did not run block well. And yeah. a lot of people that know more than I do say, well, that's you know, Ben didn't check them. Ben wasn't there. So Ben wasn't there to check them out of plays and get them in positions that, you know, in terms of protection and blocking schemes from, a, from an expert's perspective, I claim you as that. What was the issue with the offensive line? It will be better. Will it be better in 2020? Well, I would, I would like to hope that it will, because uh, for all the reasons that you just said, um, I think there's an issue, a little bit of an issue. And maybe this is overblown. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't want to, I want to give these guys credit for, you know, the fact that they're professionals and they, uh, they, you know, can adapt to multiple styles. But I still think that we kind of have a mismatch between the running backs and the offensive line. I mean, you got an offensive line that was really built, obviously, to pass protect, but also to block for Le'Veon Bell, who was such a patient, you know, sort of slashing type runner, man. He had such great vision. He could kind of sort of sit in that zone scheme and let the linemen set up the blocks and let the linebackers kind of commit to where he wanted to go. And then he was going to find the, the seam and burst. And, you know, that was really kind of like a horizontal uh, approach. You know, the, the linemen needed to be able to move guys horizontally more than just sort of knock them off the ball vertically. And um, I think, you know, James, to me, James Conner is more of a power runner. You know, he's a, he's a one cut and go, square shoulders, uh, you know, kind of get up the field. He's not, he's not a real patient runner. I mean, he wants to burst through the hole. I mean, you, sometimes you see Conner run up the backs of his linemen because he's really hitting the hole hard. And, and, you know, a lot of times to have a back like that, you need to be able to vertically displace the defensive front. Uh, and we're just, we're just not that group. I think Benny Snell has got a little bit more of uh, – a little more patience, a little more vision, but he doesn't have sort of the burst that Bell did. So, I mean, to me, that's – you know, they're kind of in transition there. I don't know – I don't know if they feel they need to marry the two that the way that they had it under Bell, but I do think it's a bit of an issue. Okay, last question about the line before we move on to another position. Do you think they stay? Do you think they look more like the 2018 line, or do you think that we're on the downward swing of this line? I still think we're a really good line. I mean, I don't, I don't know if we're like a top five line, uh, but I still think it's a really good offensive line. And I think that just about anything that we saw in 2019 needs to be discounted. Um, so, you know, I mean, we were a pretty good line in 2018. I expect us to be a pretty good line again. I mean, we're a, we're a well-coached football team. So that's, a, you know, that's, that's always a plus. Good coaching can solve a lot of other issues. But I just don't know. I, I think we are a, you know, we're, we're an offensive line that uh, has some questions that need to be answered for sure. All right, outside of the offensive line, anything else on the offensive side of the football that gives you a little bit of concern heading into this season? I'm just, I don't know, I don't know if I would call it concern, but I'm curious about the running back rotation. You know, how, how are we going to handle that? Are they going to ride Connor the way that they've kind of, they've done with, you know, featured backs in the past? I know that Snell's lost some weight and seems to be opening up some eyes uh, in training camp, at least from the reports that I've read. 
And then you've got the really intriguing addition of uh, Anthony McFarlane, who, who's a bit of a home run hitter. We haven't had a back like him in a while. So, I mean, there does seem to be sort of three different sort of backs stylistically. And I would like to think there's room in the offense for, you know, for all three. But uh, I don't know. You know, we'll, we'll see uh, because that hasn't been Tomlin's M.O. No, and Randy Feetner, who met with the media on Thursday, said that they're still looking to have Connor be their main three down back. So we'll see how they – they definitely are going to have I, – I feel like, you know, Snell will be the number two. McFarlane might be the change of pace back. But how they infuse them all together will be really key. Now, my question for you now is the quarterbacks and Ben Roethlisberger. Let's just assume that it, the elbow is fine. It seems like it's fine. Roethlisberger met with the media as well on Thursday and said that he's making throws that, you know, he's got more. He, the deep ball is fine, basically, is that he's able to get the ball deep and seems like, on, by all accounts, if you trust everything that's said from the organization, which take with a grain of salt, he, he's healthy. How big of a deal is it? from a game plan standpoint as well as an in-game standpoint that Roethlisberger, a seasoned veteran, future Hall of Famer, is under center compared to what we saw basically with two rookies in 2019. I guess, you know, they averaged 18.8 points per game last year. How many points is Ben good for just by being in the lineup in 2020? Um, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a great question because he's got so many new weapons with him too. So we're really going to see um, – kind of like a, a completely different offense than we've seen before. But to get back, you know, to sort of answer your original question, I mean, it's to me, it's like, you know, being the difference between being fluent in a language and being able to like, you know, count to 10 in Spanish, you know, like, I mean, I, like, <laughs> I just think that like we were so remedial on offense last year, um, which is not a knock on, you know, Mason Rudolph or, or, uh, or Doc Hodges there. I mean, those dudes, they just weren't ready, you know? And so when you look at our, at what we did offensively, it was so basic. I mean, we were running mirrored routes, which means you're running like the same exact route concept on both sides of the field, which is, I mean, that's like high school stuff because, you know, those guys were having a really hard time reading the middle of the field. And with Roethlisberger, you're going to run full field read concepts where you're going to be running, you know, uh, front side uh, routes and you're going to be running backside routes and they're all in play. He's going to be able to get to his third progression, Um, you know, and and so you've got the the full field is in play. The full playbook is in play. Um, You know, I mean, Randy Figner's job last year was just borderline impossible. I mean, I know he gets beat up a lot on on the website and elsewhere, uh, but man, I don't envy him, you know, with what he had to do. I think the, I think the bigger challenge will be, um, you know, kind of pairing things back. I think sometimes with Roethlisberger, you know, he kind of wants, he wants every option available. And sometimes you need to be able to narrow it down to what you can do best. So that'll be interesting to see. You bring up Randy Feetner. I, I call him Randy land on our other podcasts. Um, and <laughs> what was the last time? And maybe there hasn't been one think back in your lifetime. Has there been an offensive coordinator that you have liked that you really are like, this guy is good. I love what he does with the offense. He calls the game similar to the way that I would. Cause I know that most people hate the offensive coordinator because you Monday morning quarterback, everything. If they throw it on third and one, we should have run it. If they ran it, uh, they loaded the box, he should have thrown it. I get all that. But is there any offensive coordinator that you were like, I actually like this guy? I mean, I just tell you this, man. I was an offensive coordinator for six years, you know, and this is high school. I'm talking about high school. 
and I would have people like in in like the pizza place tell me tell me what I should run it. You know, like I would have. I am not lying. I would have people draw up plays and put them in my mailbox. You know, like I mean, so yeah, everybody under the sun thinks that they're an offensive coordinator. You know, and then I would say to them like, okay, look, that's a great play. Now listen, do me do me a favor, draw it up against the the six different defenses that we're going to see with all the stunts and slants and offensive line adjustments, right? And then 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 we'll talk about it a little bit. You know? <laughs> it's a really it's a really hard job, man. It's a really hard job. So, I mean, is there a guy that I liked? I mean, I liked Ken Wisenhunt. I really did. You know, like I thought that um, I thought that that they did a nice job uh, mixing power run with, you know, we were kind of, you know, Wisenhunt was sort of there when when football was really starting to open up. And uh, I thought he did a nice job of blending like sort of the 90s old style football with the emerging, you know, kind of wide open or spread passing game, if you will. Yeah. Um, you know, but I mean, I, you know, Fickner, I, I, I don't know, man. I mean, he had one year where we threw the ball a ton and we had a lot of great passing statistics, but, um, you know, the run game fell off. And then he had last year where, I mean, how do you judge him for that? So, so it's, uh, he, I think he's still kind of like a work in progress. Were you a Todd Haley fan? Um, I, I mean, I didn't dislike the offense under Todd Haley. He certainly got, got good results. Um, I sometimes wondered, you know, about like, uh, I thought he outthought himself at times, you know, I mean, I thought he got away from, you know, sometimes there's like this tendency amongst football coaches to want to be, you know, the smartest guy in the room, you know, like, you don't want to, you want to show people how much you know, you know, by how creative your schemes and your designs can be. And, and, you know, oftentimes, it's the, it's the when the core stuff is working, or the simplest stuff is working, I think people get away from it, because, you know, they just want to, they want to expand what they're doing. Um, and I thought that he did that at times, but I mean, he got, he certainly had good results. There's no doubt about that. I think, you know, with Haley, obviously it was a personality issue, yeah. you know? Well, I think that when P I love it when people bring up Arians and they say, I wish Bruce Arians was, are you kidding me? Ben Roethlisberger would be, would be dead. I think if Bruce yeah. Arians were so young. <laughs> yeah, that was a bad match, man. That was like, uh, you know, it just the idea of uh, of a completely vertical passing game uh, was, you know, was was tough, man. We've gone the opposite direction now. Now we're one of the, uh, you know, in the bottom third of the league in in air yards per attempt. I mean, we're we're really a, a, a quick pass offense, getting the ball, you know, throwing the ball short and all. So I'll be interested to see how that changes this year with some of the vertical threats we've added with Ebron and, and Claypool. Are we going to be a little bit more of a vertical passing offense this year? Well, what a perfect segue. I was going to ask you last question on the offense before we move, take a break and go over to the defensive side. What do you think about those two new players that you just mentioned, Ebron and Claypool? I mean, Ebron's had injury history, injury issues in his past. Claypool has looked the part from what we've heard from training camp, but we all know that when the actual bullets start flying, it can be a little bit rougher. What are your expectations? What are your thoughts on those two additions? Uh, I'm really excited about Ebron in our offense because, uh, you know, for you, I wrote an article about this back in, when we signed him. I mean, I've, I've had the chance to meet him. Uh, his, his personal trainer trained our football team um, here where I coached for, for a while. We're, we're, we're kind of a beach town and we get some, you know, some, some pro guys and some big guys that come down here and vacation and all. And so we've worked out with Ebron uh, and uh, you know, I had the, I had the pleasure to sort of throw the ball around with him uh, a couple of times. He covers so much ground. He is such a large man with large strides and he's so athletic. I mean, it's amazing how much ground he covers 
uh, you know, when he when he gets off the ball and gets up the field. Uh, I mean, to me, he's a, he's just a field stretcher, um, and and that's a phenomenal uh, advantage to have in our offense, given how much we like to throw horizontally, you know, our, our crossing routes. So, I mean, if you can get the safeties. Uh, to to back off if you can force the linebackers to have to defend the seam, boy, it opens up an awful lot of space in the middle of the field for guys like Juju uh, Smith Schuster and Deontay Johnson to operate running crossing routes. Uh, so I'm very excited about about Ebron and Claypool. You know, I I don't know a whole lot about him other than you know I mean we did all that focus on him during the draft. I didn't really watch him much in college. The reviews seem to be tremendous coming out. Uh, of, of camp so far, you know, I mean, uh, you know, talk about your hype train, but um, he's obviously another guy at 6'4", 238, who's a mismatch waiting to happen. And, and the way he can go up and get the ball, it certainly seems as though we're going to be able to, to get the ball down the field more than we have in the past. So that's exciting. It is exciting. And those two guys could add wrinkles to the offense that Steeler fans haven't seen in quite a long time. But you know what? We're going to be talking about the defense right after this break. I'm Alex Rodriguez and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Steelers fans, Jeff Hartman with Kevin Smith here talking Pittsburgh Steelers' weaknesses heading into 2020 here on this morning Friday episode of Let's Ride, your Behind the Steel Curtain podcast platform. Defense, Kevin, is, I tell you what, I mean, you said it earlier, they're elite, right? I mean, this is an elite group, but where are the weaknesses? There have to be some. Right. Yeah. Where are the weaknesses? Um, I mean, you know, Mark Barron played uh, an awful lot of snaps for us last year. I can't remember what his snap count was, somewhere around 700 or so. And so when I think about weaknesses on the defense right away, it, it, I go to that, you know, he, he was the, he was the dime backer and the nickel backer. And, um, you know, some people, some people really liked him uh, performance wise and some people not so much, but, but still one way or another, that's a lot of snaps that we have to replace. And so, you know, there's been talk about Vince Williams doing it, uh, Ulysses Gilbert doing it, you know, maybe one of the big safeties that they have, a guy like Marcus Allen or, or maybe the young kid, the Brooks kid from Maryland, if, if he progresses quickly, being able to fill that role a little bit. But, you know, that's a significant role to fill uh, considering that we're, you know, in the two, four, five with one of the with, – with either a nickel on the field or occasionally that dime 
uh, more than we're in the three, four. So that's a big thing to look at immediately. Yeah. And, and they, they really didn't address linebacker or safety. I mean, you count Antoine Brooks uh, from Maryland, but he's a late round draft pick. Uh, the depth at those positions inside linebacker and safety, boy, is it rough. I mean, you, you, you hate to say it, but if Devin Bush gets hurt, you're, you're screwed. And or if, yes. Minka, if Minka Fitzpatrick goes down, you're screwed. I mean, that's, that's the dire situation that this defense is in. If they stay healthy, well, then that's fantastic. But if they don't, well, that's an issue. Um, I guess, what are your thoughts on Minka, speaking of safeties? Is his role going to change from last season? And I know he came in prior to week three when they went to San Francisco. But is his role going to – do you think they'll change it up? A lot of people have been thinking they're going to move him around more. They're gonna, he's going to be the joker, quote-unquote, and be that guy that's bouncing around the line. Some people have said, look, this guy's more of an Ed Reed type. Let him play center field. Let him use his intelligence to read the quarterback, attack the football. How do you see Minka transforming or staying the same in 2020? I don't, I don't know what they have in mind for him. I've read, you know, like, just like you mentioned, um, that they may put him in some different roles. And it seems like he, he's, he's open to that or he wants to do that, actually. But I, I, can, I can tell you this, man. From the film I've studied of him, uh, he's, he's a, a special player. He is a, uh, one of the most instinctual uh, secondary players that I've ever looked at film on. I mean, there, there's a couple of plays that, I, you know, some of the articles I've written that I featured that just blew, blew me away. It, just his ability to read. There's a play against Arizona from last year. Uh, where where the Cardinals have like a second and goal from about the three-yard line, maybe four-yard line, and they run a zone read where Kyler Murray pulls the ball and uh, gets out on the edge. And uh, I think Mark Barron comes off the edge and kind of bites on the dive, and, and Murray pulls the ball. And Minkah Fitzpatrick is lined up over the center, five yards deep in the end zone. And he comes downhill into the alley, and is at the line of scrimmage, you know, to meet Murray in a heartbeat and makes an, an, ama an amazing one-on-one -on -one tackle. Murray kind of jukes. I mean, the juke that Murray put on uh, Fitzpatrick, I mean, most people would have lost, like, an, an ACL from that juke. And it, was, it, was, <laughs> it was awesome. And, uh, and Minka didn't even blink, man, and he just dropped him for a loss. Like, the instincts to be – I mean, the physical ability to be able to do that thing was – to make that play was one thing, but the, ability, the, the, the way he read that play leads me to just think, you know – and that's just one example, man. I could cite several. But it just leads me to believe that he's best as, as a true center fielder who, you know, we really haven't had in a while, really since Ryan Clark, you know, because Troy Palomalo wasn't – that wasn't his role, you know. Uh, I know people have talked about maybe let Minka do a little bit of what Troy did, but, you know, that was different defense, different coordinator, different time. Um, you know, to me, man, let's, let's let him play center field and, and be a ball hawk and, and direct it, you know, be the quarterback of the defense back there and get everybody else in position because that's another thing he does phenomenally is just communicates with everybody else. It's amazing how many of the communication issues, I won't say totally went away, but were, were remedied by his acquisition. Well, let's talk about this a little bit further. So if he's going to stay back in center field, I totally agree with you. I think that's where he belongs. I think that's where he can excel and, and be great. He spoke openly about it, and others have spoken openly about it since probably the midway point of last season where quarterbacks just stopped throwing his direction. Understandably so. How, on a defense, do you scheme a player like Minka to still be able to get around the football so that the other team, the opposition, cannot do just that? And that's okay. Minka's on this side. 
I mean, do you disguise pre-snap coverage? How, as a coach, do you get him around the football and avoid the quarterback saying, he's there, I'm going to throw to the other side? Yeah, I mean, you just said it, man. The, the Steelers are really good with coverage disguise, especially when they want they run um, what's called robber. So robber is where you take one of your one of your two uh, free safeties. The Steelers are usually in a, in a two high shell, so you take one of your two safeties and you're going to actually drop him down uh, to the linebacker level at the snap to defend crossing routes or or um, you know some kind of a hitch or some kind of a quick slant. And, um, and, you know, the Steelers started to do more and more of that with Fitzpatrick as the season went on last year. He's really good in that role. Uh, I mean, they've got some really intricate coverage design, yeah, uh, you know, disguises. And uh, I think we'll see more and more of that this year. It's amazing how much they were able to do, given the fact that he didn't have preseason with them and he walked in here cold in uh, week three maybe or four. I can't remember what, what week he got here. But um, – and, and they plugged him in, and within a couple of weeks, man, they were running some pretty intricate uh, disguises. So I think that's one, that's one way you do it. So the second way, I mean, like you talk about, like, you know, you got about not wanting to throw in Minka's direction. I mean, if he's playing center field and, and you don't want to throw up the seams, well, then where are you going to throw the ball? You got to throw the ball outside the hashes. Well, I mean, you got Steven Nelson at corner on one side and Joe Hayden on the other. Those are pretty, two pretty uh, darn good corners. So you got to throw the ball somewhere, you know, and uh, and with the pass rush that we have, uh, you when you start eliminating parts of the field where you don't want to throw the football, and you start getting really really selective, you start, you narrow your options tremendously in the passing game. So uh, offense is going to have to make some some tough choices with where they want to go with the ball. You like Keith Butler? Do I like him? Um, yeah, as a coach, obviously not as a human being. As a I don't coach. know personally. I don't, I don't like him. Um, do I like him as a coach? Yeah, that's a tough question. You know, like it's amazing how much better Keith Butler got as a de- as a defensive coordinator <laughs> when we got him better players. You know, <laughs> well, he should well, be yeah. good. They have all second and first round picks all throughout that defense. That is that is very true. That is uh, we've we've made some major investments. Um, you know, I think I think like there was a I think Keith Butler had to kind of grow out of Dick LeBeau's shadow a little bit. You know, like you know he was sort of promised the job you know when Dick LeBeau when it was time to go and LeBeau stepped out and then it became like well whose whose defense is it is it is it you know like Dick LeBeau's defense but Keith Butler's running it is it Mike Tomlin's defense because we know Tomlin is a defensive guy you know he'd been a DC uh is he kind of running it who's running the show uh and then you know um um, Terrell Austin came in and, and he seems to have given, you know, uh, Butler some, some needed assistance. So I don't know, you know, much like with uh, Figner on the offensive side of the ball. Um, I think we're going to see LeBeau or uh, I'm sorry, Butler grow more and more into the job as he goes. I ask you that question because I don't know if you, if you watch the NFL network and I haven't caught Cam Hayward's uh I think it called game pass with Brian Baldinger and Kurt Warner, but I did see Minka Fitzpatrick's and they were talking about Minka. They went all the way back to his time with Saban at Alabama. And they asked him, you know, when you were with Nick Saban, he goes, man, when we were with the Nick Saban, we had a new defense every week. And then he even said, when we went to Miami, man, we changed it up like every week. He said, but when I came to Pittsburgh and we just do what we do. And they're like, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, we kind of just run our thing. Like we run our, is that a damning uh, shot across the bow like Keith Butler as a coordinator or are the Steelers good enough that they literally can say this is what we do you just have to try and beat it 
I guess I looked at that. Now I heard him say that like, man, it's kind of damning on the defense if you think about it. But what are your thoughts? I think it's every coach's dream to be able to just do what you do, you know? (laughs) (laughs) That's a good point. (laughs) I think think if you're good enough fundamentally, you know, like, and, and talent wise that um, you don't have to get, you know, real exotic. I mean, obviously there are teams that are going to force you out of what you do um, by either by formation or by style or whatever. And you've got to be able to, to adjust to those teams. But I mean, I've never liked, you know, like the defense of the week philosophy. Uh, I've never liked, asking players uh, to do things that they're not comfortable doing. I mean, you might get a guy like Minka Fitzpatrick and be like, oh, this guy can do everything. But then you sort of ask him to do everything, and eventually there's going to be some of the things, some of the most more fundamental things that he's not going to do as well because he's not getting the reps uh, or simply because he's being put into positions where, you know, he, those are not his strengths. So, I mean, you know, have the Steelers been exposed for doing what they do in the past? A hundred percent. Everybody can remember the Chargers game from 2018, the infamous Keenan Allen versus John Bostic oh, yes. uh, fiasco, you know, <laughs> and that was, a, you know, and that was a problem because the Steelers were doing what they do and, and the Chargers knew exactly what that was going to be and they schemed to beat it. Um, but, you know, we've got a lot of pieces in place now that probably allow Butler to be, you know, a little bit more consistent. Yeah. You brought up, that's a great point. I never even thought about that. So maybe he's not as damning as I thought. But uh, let's talk about TJ Watt. He's not yeah. a weakness in any way stretch of the imagination. But my goodness, I'd, from your perspective, how good can this guy be? Because it seems like since he's come into the league, every year he's gotten better and better. And I'm trying to wrap my head around where he is in terms of you think about pass rushers for the Steelers. And I'm talking about more of the modern era of football. You talk about Greg Lloyd and Kevin Green. You talk about James Harrison. You talk about Joey Porter. You talk about Lamar Woodley. He seems like his own unique freak. What in the world should fans expect? Can he still get better? Are there still things he can improve upon? I mean, I'm sure that there are, man, but off the top of my head, I would have a hard time telling you exactly what they are. (laughs) You know, maybe, maybe uh, you know, just sort of being a little stronger at the point of attack in the, in the run game, uh, you know, where, where they might, teams might want to load up with, with bigger guys, you know, heavier personnel and run right at them. Uh, I certainly, you know, wouldn't run away from him. And, and as a pass rusher, he's got an answer for just about any, any you know, sort of technique that guys want to use on him. Um, I did a film room on him, you know, a couple months ago. And when you really kind of go in and you, and you really start to look at, at him as a, as a pass rusher, um, you know, he's got, he, you know, like all the great pass rushers have a signature move. So he's a speed rusher. He wants to beat you with his speed rush around the edge. And then he's got this great dip and rip move where he sort of just is going to win with leverage. He's going to dip his shoulder and get underneath your, if you're an offensive tackle, we're trying to block him. He's going to get underneath your hands and bend the edge really, really well. Um, so that's his go-to man. But like the moment that you compensate, or I should probably say overcomes it. The moment you get yourself out of position, you take one step, you're an offensive tackle, and you take one false step, you know, uh, to, to overcompensate for that speed rush, man, now he's going to beat you back inside with a great club and rip move across your face, you know. Uh, he's got just, you know, and then, and then when, when we scheme him to the quarterback, he's really, really uh, special too because he can get there so quick. He's so low. His, he plays with phenomenal leverage. He uses his hands so well. I mean, like, you can just see from watching him how much of a student of the game he is, how much he really, really works at his craft. Because all this, all that stuff he does with his hands, like, that's not 
you know, some, some dudes like Cam Hayward, I'm not saying he's not a technician because he is, but that dude is so strong. He's just such a physically uh, overpowering guy that, you know, oftentimes you just see him physically drive guys into the, into the backfield. I mean, TJ Watt's not exactly like that. You know, he's got, he's got so much uh, invested in the fundamentals of the game that you just, you know, you just know he's great because he's worked to be great. So, I mean, what's his, what's his ceiling? I, I don't know, man. I mean, he's, he's got, he can get better. I know that. He's helped out, no doubt, by having, you know, Bud Dupree emerge on the other side, by having the interior guys be better pass rushers. So that certainly helps him. But in his own right, he's, he's one of the best I've seen in Pittsburgh. Two it coming back could only make him better. I mean, if he if two can stay healthy, he's just gonna really open things up. One of the two is gonna eat, in my opinion, because you can only block with so many of them, and you put a tight end out there. T.J. Watt's gonna beat a tight end every single day and twice on Sunday. But let me ask you about Watt and Dupree. Where do you rank them amongst the best t- combos in Steelers history? Yeah, I mean, you know. I mean, how, was Kevin Green here two two years, three years? How many years I, was Kevin Green? At least two. I'm not sure if yeah. he was there a third, but he was there at least two. He and he I and mean, Lloyd were good. He and Lloyd were great. Uh, Woodley, um, you know, and you know, for the brief run that that Woodley was Matt, what was Woodley with? Was he with? He was Joey with Harrison. Ford? He was with Harrison. He was with Harrison, right? I mean, they were great too. Uh, but you know, th- that was a different game. You know, when when those guys were playing, you know, that was like that we were in the base three four so much. And teams really didn't spread uh, – offense didn't spread us out the way that they do today. So, I mean, for me, you know, I mean, I, I, we need to see another year from Dupree before I'm willing to put them as a tandem up with, up with those others. You know, but, they, but the, Dupree and Watt definitely have to do more than, than, you know, those other guys did simply because the nature of offense is, is so different. Yeah, that's a great point. Last question before we get out of here and i let you go. Devin Bush. Entering year two, in your opinion, what are the expectations for him in his sophomore season? Yeah. First of all, what you said earlier, man, <laughs> let's just pray Devin Bush stays healthy. Don't <laughs> right yeah. so you think – I mean, they have, to, they have to sign somebody else, right? I mean, I, I, you know, it, doesn't it well, feel that way? If they like Ulysses Gilbert enough, but the problem is, is that if Vince Williams goes down and he's been hurt the last few seasons, at least for a couple games, then – yeah. Who, who are you turning to? Robert Spillane, unless you're going to go really light sub packages, like you said, and bring down Marcus Allen or Antoine Brooks. It's not a good scenario. I'll say that right now. Yeah, I just feel like a signing is feels inevitable. But, you know, who knows, man? They, they, might, they might be waiting until – They might be waiting until teams cut down from 90 to 53 – or 80 to 53, see yeah. who's out there, and they might make a move then. We'll see. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I you know uh, – yeah, Bush is going to get. I think. I think Bush is. He's already fast. You know. He play, I mean, in terms of how he plays, and he's going to play faster because uh, he's just going to know things better and see things better. You know. I mean, the the, the the old adage about playing defense is, you know, like a slow mind equals slow feet. Uh, when you're having a hard time processing and seeing things, you don't move as quickly. So everything will uh, everything will slow down for him in year two. Uh, the reps that he got. Uh, will, will be as a rookie will be invaluable to him and um, you know I, I just I just think that he's got an opportunity to be one of the best uh, inside backers we've had here in a long time because he's got such great range he's a good tackler he's a decent pass defender I mean he can do a little bit of everything I don't want to see him you know uh, on the field for 90 percent of the snaps I man I don't want to see him assume one of Barron's 
roles, you know, especially if it's like that dime role, because he, he, he already played a ton of snaps as a rookie. And, and, and I really don't want to see him, uh, you know, jeopardize obviously his health by taking on more snaps. Um, but you know, that I also love him as a blitzer, man. He really, he can, he can, he's explosive and gets to the quarterback. So heck of a pick. He's a smart player too. His intelligence is through the roof and Tomlin is giving him due credit for that. And he's going to be the one that's going to be making the defensive calls. He's that hub. I'm not sure if that's a full-time thing. I know they bounced the green dot around the defense last year. Uh, when Vince Williams was hurt at the beginning of the season, but it'll be interesting, but you know what? This has been great talk. We're definitely gonna have to do this again once the season starts or maybe even once the, we get close to week one to kind of break things down, but um, make sure you check out Kevin's work on behind the steel He is the guy that is the artist known as Cliff Harris is still a punk. If you go down mm-hmm. to our Steelers film room section, you'll see a bunch of his work there. So I appreciate the time, Kevin, make sure that wherever you're listening to this podcast, Wherever you get your audio, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, Anchor, you name it, follow us, subscribe, spread the love, tell your Steeler friends about it, share the links on social media, uh, spread the wealth. In the meantime, have a great weekend, everyone. We'll see you back here on Monday for another episode of Let's Ride. In the meantime, stay safe, be kind, God bless. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.